Hi, everyone. This is episode four of Awoke Blokes. I just said three before, so this is a retake, but don't tell anyone. I'm Michael Ray, all the way from Australia with Reham Nessa, all the way from... Uh, not so sunny UK. <laughs> and tonight on episode four, we're going to be talking about toxic masculinity and why I'm not a fan of the phrase. I'm definitely not a fan of the behavior that's associated with it, but I think we have a problem with referring to it as toxic masculinity. So hopefully you listen along and we would love your feedback and opinion. So Reham, how would you define toxic masculinity? Well, um, it's, I think it's a really triggered word um, and it's a catchphrase now more than ever for any behavior that is deemed by society as not being masculine enough and having hints of uh, toxicity, which would be any negativity that would impact a man's perception, other people's perception of a man's um, a masculine nature or ability to function as man enough. And I have a lot of issues just like you do Michael around this term of toxic masculinity because I think it there there are just too many ways to pigeonhole men in this day and age and it's not about pigeonholing it's not about you know um, categorizing or labeling or limiting or criticizing it's about taking the man as a whole not parts of him and then labeling him to let him feel less than or not valued or not equal to any other human being on earth. Um, that's why I have an issue with the topic um, and the title of toxic masculinity. How would you define it, Michael? Um, my problem with using the term toxic masculinity, it's just another box to put men in who are struggling because they've been already put in a box. So we have good masculinity and bad masculinity and then men are trying to struggle with it so can a transgender person who has transitioned to or from a male be masculine can a um, homosexual man be masculine can a heterosexual man be masculine so to me, anything that any man does is, is masculine. So the, the toxic part of it comes down to behaviour, not the gender. Let's not assign a gender to the behaviour. Let's assign this, excuse the language, but there's too much shitty behaviour that is just dumped in, well, that's toxic masculinity. No, that's a deficiency in the man's character and values. And if we saw the same behaviour in a female, then it's it still, we can 100% with certainty say that is poor behavior, regardless of the gender. Absolutely. But I think the problem we have with it, because it's misunderstood, when I speak to young men, adolescents, your 16, 17 year old boys, a lot of what is thrown into the, the pile of toxic masculinity, they actually see as hyper masculinity. So the um, wanting to sleep with as many girls, wanting to degrade girls or diminish their value, wanting to judge girls on their appearance and 
things like that. Uh, blokes drinking a lot, men men wanting to be rough and tumble in sports. All of that gets put down to even male bravado gets put into toxic masculinity. Where if we look at perform masculinity, bravery, heroics, acquisition of skill, following a set of rules. All of those are brilliant traits if the values are there underlying it. So if I'm brave enough to not care about being judged by my friends when I say I'm scared, if I'm brave enough to say to my mates, I think I'm gay, if I'm brave enough to say to my mates, I'm really depressed and I need help, that's bravery. That's a wonderful skill. So we need to reframe it. And men follow rules and um, standards and codes where we go off to war, we are loyal to our mates, all of these things are seen. But being loyal to your mates, what about we go, right, well, I'm loyal to a set of values. I'm loyal to being empathetic. I'm loyal, I'm loyal enough to my friend to say, mate, you're being a bit of a knob. Pull your head in because you matter to me because it's the strangest that I've got no loyalty to. Do whatever you want. I don't care about you. But then we have the confusion where the flip side, where we have this outdated gender role of men as heroes. Why didn't you stick up for her? Why didn't you defend her? Which cast men as the white knight and the protectors? I would actually deem that as toxic masculinity to an extent, because what it does is it says, this is the only way that a man can be perceived as a healthy man. But what's healthy about being the white knight, about the shine, being the, you know, the, the, the prince, the savior. Women in this day and age, the roles have shifted a bit. They're not needing to be saved. Some maybe, but the majority don't. And it's about wanting to be partners and companions, less uh, damsel in distress needing saving. And so one of the, the, the concerns that a lot of my male clients have shared is feeling like they can never reach that caliber of hero and then feeling less than immediately each time they fail, which adds to their sense of rejection, which adds to their sense of lack of self-worth, which puts up the masks again that they were trying to avoid putting on because they wanted to be true and genuine to themselves and their commitments, like you were talking about, their code of conduct, you know, their integrity and loyalty to those set of values that are core to who they are. But then silence comes in or deception and those start, and then the masks again, that start to kind of um, cause the the waters to boil in the kettle. You know, the water boiling in the kettle leads a lot of men from, should I say, away from healthy masculinity due to insecurity and fear to toxic or hyper masculinity or even, you know, false sense of heroic masculinity, as you called it um, or referred to it, Michael. And and what it what happens is a lot it creates a loss of identity for a lot of men. And what they then do is take on whatever character that best fits the moment. And they're 
turned off or tuned out from being themselves. And that's what's scary because that's where mental health and mental unwellness or ill health starts to creep in. And that's where they get into dangerous water. So like you were saying, bravery and courage are so essential to know who we are in moments of difficulty when we're at a crossroads or in a crisis or in conflict. Because when we as women or you guys as men, we as humans are faced with challenges, we revert back to those old habits. And those old habits, if we haven't worked on them, they trigger that toxicity. They trigger that hyper-masculinity. They trigger that heroic, you know, toxic masculinity approach. And then it self-sabotages us. So being aware of how we operate when we're stressed as human beings, and especially as blokes, you know, being that this is a woke bloke, you know, yeah. um, how, how can you recognize the patterns in your life as they play out? With, with your coworkers or with family members or with friends, because it can show up differently in each relationship, but there is absolutely a traceable pattern. And once you recognize the pattern and realize that it's coming from a sense of fear or a sense of less than, less than whatever it is, fill in the blank, or insecurity about who I am or my body image, or, you know, hypermasculinity sometimes comes from a fear of like other people, other men seeing me as less of a man physically, because I need to look like those supermodels or I need to look like those magazine pages. I remember there was this one client that came to me and he, I have to say, Michael, I mean, I am a woman, so I had to appreciate what he looked like, but, um, again, professionally, he had everything going on the outside, but he was a mess on the inside. And this is common for a lot of men. They work on the exterior so much so that they're picture perfect, whatever picture perfect they're looking for. But then on the inside, they don't have the emotional maturity to be in a relationship, to be a partner. They don't have the, uh, the consciousness about who they are and how they show up in other people's lives. They don't have the awareness to accept their own responsibility for their own actions. They don't recognize the impact that they have on others. They don't fully comprehend that they're disconnected, disjointed, and disaligned from who they truly are and fight it every step of the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does, Raham. I, I came from a hyper-masculine um, world of high-performance sports and uh, being a nightclub bouncer and personal security for a lot of uh, visiting rock stars. And the high life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mis- misspent, misspent youth. But uh, eventually there was an awakening. But we've got to realise when, when we um, tar all of men with uh, a big brush, it's intellectually lazy and we need to call out the behaviour. It's the same with, um, you know, all Catholic priests aren't, aren't pedophiles, all yeah. Muslims aren't terrorists. All, of course. It just, we, we <laughs> yeah. keep 
putting people into these boxes and men who behave poorly, it's not toxic masculinity, it's shitty behaviour. Yeah. We, we have kids who want to belong to gangs because it's like we belong, we're part of the crew, you don't understand us, my, my boys have got my back, they're good guys and our values are our values and they stick to them. And we just need to show them that we're going to judge you on your own. You yes. are going to judge your behavior on its own. We're not going to put you in that big group where you can blend into the crowd. What you did in that instant, you did wrong and you know better because there's a big difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is a good thing. Guilt is often the catalyst for change. That's shame it. is just the worst. If you make somebody feel bad about who they are rather than what they've done, that's where the problems lie. And then if you make them feel bad about who they are in a public setting or as a group, that's when retaliation and people lash out and real resentment comes and it actually resists change. I find people set in their ways. I think one of the phenomenons, and I hate to get into politics, is with the Trump voters, where it's they were people are calling them, you know, not intellectual. I don't want to use the, the bad word, you know, lacking any real cognizant, you know, muscularity and all the rest of it. And it's like, you're kidding, you're going to call me stupid and then you expect me to go, oh, yeah, I, I sort of agree. So you've painted them into a corner by attacking who they are rather than the choice they've made. Yeah. And it's the same when we call blokes, you know, uh, you know, it's just men behaving badly. No, it was him doing this specific thing that is unacceptable. And for the blokes who, oh, but he was a, he's a good bloke. Well, we didn't ask you what sort of bloke he was. We asked you, was what he did there acceptable? So you don't have to say, yeah, no, he was a great bloke and, you know, whatever. No, don't diminish what he's done. Yeah. You only need to say, I can't believe this doesn't happen in sporting codes. If what, he, if what is alleged that he has done is completely and utterly indefensible and unacceptable in any in any decent person's mind. Just cannot be defended at all. And leave it at that. It's not, ah, he was such a good man. Like, you know, he was a good bloke. No, we weren't asking you that. If he raised his hand to a woman, to a man, to a child or something like that, we don't want a character reference. So, you know, don't, by defending him, you know, you're, you're not condemning what he's done. So it, it, it loses a lot of it there as well. But we need to hold individuals to account and not complete genders. I agree 100%. And that's, I think, where the difficulty lies sometimes because what's happening now in societal norms is when a man does something, like, for example, in the past 10 years, when a man sexually harasses a woman, and that we do not condone, I need to be absolutely clear, nor a woman sexually harassing a man, and that does happen. Um, when a man sexually harasses a, a woman, then he automatically is, oh, you're from them, and all men are dogs. But that's not true. Just like all women are not bitches, for example. And yes, I said that. Um, there are so many 
different ways to perceive a human being. And one of the principles in the field of conflict resolution is you separate the person from the behavior. Just like you're saying, this is based on character and conduct. That's why men have a code of conduct. Men that are exhibiting healthy masculinity live by this code of conduct that you beautifully illustrated in, you know, with, with great descriptors, Michael. Like for example, they they have this, this sense of honor, they have the sense of dignity, they talk about things with integrity, they you know, they have a set of values, you know, they're, they're brave, they follow the rules. And I don't mean like, you know, somebody that, that doesn't know how to question the rules, because sometimes the rules need to be questioned. But they have this skill set of understanding where they belong as a follower, but also can be a leader in their own right. Um, these codes of conduct are so essential to give a man his internal GPS. That's it. If he can see his internal GPS, his own identity laid out through his internal GPS telling him, okay, due north is this way. You're off course, you're off kilter. You're gonna go into a wall or up a tree, turn right, turn left. That's what keeps a man or a woman, any human being on that straight and narrow. And that straight and narrow is not a bad thing. It just means it's a healthy way to operate based on the core values and the core beliefs and the core principles, i.e. the code of conduct that you have determined for yourself, not has been determined by others for you, not has been, a, a, you know, like you were saying, shame and guilt, shamed upon you, like to, to uphold and to live by, but ones that you have consciously and actively through your power of choice, which is a superpower, I must say, for any human being, decided these are true for me. And if you want, as, a, as an audience member, as a listener to our po podcast, want ideas on how to do this, contact us. And we'll deep in, dig in, sorry, and go deep on how you can do that. Because I know Michael and I do this for a living. So we can go deeper and further into how you can explore what your core values are, what your core beliefs are, what your core principles are, so that you can create this code of conduct for you as a man. Yeah. The, the need to belong is evolutionary. Yeah. To survive, we've got to, we've got to have our tribe. We're better off together. So a lot of the times we don't want to um, be othered. We don't want to put our hand up. A lot of the times we don't admit that we're different and we try to um, fit in. But this tribalism does great harm to organisations. We see it a lot in political parties when somebody's actually done something wrong and they're defended to the hilt. No, and they downplay it and all the rest of it. What they do then is they throw the credibility of the entire tribe in, into, into the gutter. Whereas if they had have gone, hey, come here, you knew the rules, you knew what was expected and what you've done doesn't fit with our, our creed and our values. So you're out, you're gone. That tribe, that political party would have more credibility, Ooh. more value than what they do when one of ours did wrong and they defend it rather than, oh, you, you know, it, it's guilt by association where they just threw them out and said, mate, we've, we've got to save, 
saved the group by sacrificing you, but you made the choice to sacrifice yourself when you did that. What you've done is indefensible. It doesn't fit in with our constitution. So I'm sorry, but you're out. And um, the same with the church when they've protected the priests and things like that. And that's what, so I'm sorry, you can't belong in a position of power. Kick them out the back door and let them back in the front door to seek exactly. their redemption. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the Me Too movement would not have happened had Hollywood, for example, not actively stopped it from the beginning. Yep. From the beginning. And I mean, for women and men, the, the Me Too movement was very popular about the impact on women, but there was an impact on men too that were you know, trying to come up and, and rise up to be actors or different roles in, in the acting world. Um, but the thing is, if one person stood up and that one person exactly like you're saying, Michael, is part of a team or a tribe, they'll hold each other accountable and they won't let that behavior happen. I'll give you a simple example. I know one of my clients one time was about to enter a strip club with his pals. And he basically said, I'm not going in. And they were like, why are you being a buzzkill? Come on, we're all going in. We're going to have a good time. And he's like, I have a sister. And my sister could be potentially one of those girls. Not that she was, but he's saying the concept was, I respect women more than to promote and condone me going in there. So that's my code of conduct. And two of them left and two of them stayed with him. And for them, that was such a pivotal moment because they were like, why are you, why are you taking this so seriously? Why are you making this such a big issue? It's just women. We're getting entertained. We're good. But for him, it was a concept. It was a principle that he lived by. It was a, a form of integrity. And that same gentleman also stood up for a coworker who was being hit on by her boss. So it translates into every aspect of your being when you have that, that use of your power of choice. Make those decisions and you stand up and you call people to account because not because they don't fulfill your principles, but because they don't fulfill the codes of conduct for society as well. So when you see a friend at a bar or a pub, for example, and he's checking out a girl's bum, I'll be politically mm. correct here, and he slaps her and you don't call him on it, you're promoting it. Yep, that's it. The, the, standards, the standards you walk past are the standards that you promote. So um, it, it's um, just, we're all trying to, when, when men aren't initiated or um, mentored into manhood, they wander around um, lost. And so they think, right, well, this is how I think it must be to be a man. So I'm going to be that. So I'm going to drink more than my mates. So I'm going to sleep with more women than my mates because that's what being a, a man is. When a, a man is, it, it's about the internal stuff. It's about the values and the principles that you hold true and being loyal to that because we're all trying to belong to that tribe all trying to belong to that tribe we're all trying to belong to that tribe and no one actually knows who the person next to them is yeah and whereas if you're just yourself you find the right people you find your own tribe 
it may take some time and that's okay. Think of it as high school or secondary school around the, in the world. I know it's called something different, but everybody goes through that initiation process and you get to decide for yourself. Yet, yes, at a younger age where we are impressionable, peer pressure does impact us and we want to be popular or seen as normal, whatever normal may be, that's an initiation process. And if we're able to get through that process in our adulthood, if we weren't able to do it as a teenager, then you're reparenting yourself. You're reconnecting who you thought you wanted to be to who you are now. And there's something so profoundly amazing about being in sync with yourself. Because when we're in sync with ourselves from a masculine or from a healthy feminine or masculine uh, perspective, then you're coming from a space of groundedness. You know how to interact, not react. You know how to respond, not initiate or instigate. You know how to be who you are and take accountability and responsibility for your actions and know when to make decisions and when to avoid getting yourself in a position where you have to make a difficult decision. Yep. Those are the challenges of being wise and wisdom comes from knowing thyself. When we know ourselves, when we do that work, when we really investigate, you know, I'll tell my clients, wake up in the morning and tell me, why is it that you wake up and do X, Y, and, and Z? Why do you do it? Do you do it because somebody told you to do it? You were taught to do it? Or did you choose to do it? And you want to be conscious of what you do in your life so that you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not doing it because somebody told you to do it or you're carrying the weight of the shame of if you don't do it, remember the tooth fairy is going to something or other. I don't know. There are many stories around that. You know, why are you consciously doing what you're doing in your life? And if they're not serving you, those behaviors, replace them, rewrite them or find new ones. Yep, that's... What I try and say to guys, you know, if you want to be um, invulnerable, if you want to be bulletproof, accept that you're not. A lot yeah. of the times, like who, I forget who it was that said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed if it's not faced. So I love that. Yeah. Can you say so, that again? No, say that again, because that's powerful, Michael. Please. Yeah, not mine. Someone else said it. I can't yeah, no, that's okay. But, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed if it's not faced. Absolutely. So you've got to step up. But it's okay to go, you know what? I have the imposter syndrome all the time. Sometimes I'm up speaking in front of so many people and it's just, I don't have this qualification. I don't have that. Gee, I'm, I'm speaking about the time that I was crying all the time, that I was scared going through treatment, all the thing. And I'm fine with that. The fact that we attach shame and judgment and value to certain feelings rather than just going they are as they are i am as i am accept me and be authentic um you know some people's biggest fear is to be seen nude you know and it's just they're just body parts we all have them we all have these we're all a bit crazy everyone everyone around us is struggling with something the once you accept it, that it's just the way I am, you know, these feelings are who I am, but my behaviors have flow from them. 
that's where the problems cause. So if I'm spending all this time trying to cover up or gloss over or overcompensate for them, if I'm going out to find meaning in things because I have uh, no internal value, if I'm going out to achieve and strive and all of this because inside I'm lacking because I haven't found my purpose, then it's counterproductive and it's not living an authentic life. And you may get so far down the path pursuing one external or intrinsic goal that you lose yourself. It's such a long way back. And should that external or extrinsic motivator suddenly go away, like doing, doing everything for your wife or your family, I'm doing all this for my family. If you don't find true meaning, if you wouldn't do it regardless of their appreciation or their things, don't do it. You've got to find meaning in what you're doing. And it's got to be, I'm building this because this is who I am, not because of how I appear or because I'll be appreciated for it. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head on that one, Michael. I mean, it's so important to know that you're making these choices as a human being to do this because you've chosen that this aligns with your code of conduct or your values and principles in life. Your purpose, for example, we've talked about being a provider before, I believe. Um, if, if your purpose is to be the provider, then choose to do it because you want to provide, not because you're imposing this on others to know your value and to remind them of it. It's a different energy. And when you come from the space of, this is who I am. This is how I like to show up, how I love to give and receive love, for example, with my loved ones and my family. Then you're showing up from a place of abundance, not a place of less than, and needing and um, insecurity again, because it's, it's needing that acknowledgement. It's needing that attention. It's needing that um, validation from others in order to validate what you're doing. That's the wrong energy. And but I think that, that's what you're talking about, Michael. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm very conscious with, with my daughter, Charlie, um, whenever she says, you know, Dad, how was that? And my, that's why I say parenting, my parenting at its best is questionable because it's all about asking questions. Yeah. It's, well, how do you think it went? Well, I, I, I think it was okay. What makes you think that? Well, this happened and they said it was good and people applauded. Yeah, but, but how do you think it went? Not, I'm not asking you, how do you think they think it went? How do you think it went? Well, I was faster than the last time I did it. Or do you think that's a good thing? And to, well, it means I'm getting better. Well, that sounds like a good thing. Do you think you would do anything different next time? And it's about the questions we ask. Because once we start, you know, participation trophies drive me mad because it's, you know what, it, we know for a fact that even bonuses in a workplace uh, setting can actually uh, hinder performance. And once people are working for that praise or that external motivation, once it's not there, you've killed their, their internal motivation and their internal drive. But if you keep putting back on them and reflect, but that's why I say to Charlie, Bub, it's how you think it went. You know, like 
that's the only thing that matters because I don't want her to seek praise or attention. There's a big difference. In, it's easy to get attention, especially in today's world with social media and all the rest of it. Yeah. But our children need to know the difference between attention and respect. Absolutely. And that's what happens with a lot of lot of young boys. You know, I, I've got all these guys, they're all looking at me because I'm a great footballer. I've got all these here, but how are you feeling about yourself? How do you feel about how you performed? How do you feel about the people who are seeking your attention? Are they the right people? Does their opinion matter? And if so, why? Extremely valid points, because if you allow people in your circle of friends or circle of energy, I'll just come from a perspective of energy. If we allow people that are energy vampires and they drain us with negativity and complaints and criticism and you know perception of everything is failure then we're going to be like them the more we hang around them and we won't have enough energy to give back to ourselves if we hang around people that are healthier in mindset that are more resilient that look at life as this is an opportunity for learning and growth, no matter how many times I falter and fall. How many, how many people have seen a child, you know, learn how to walk? If a child stopped learning, they'd never walk. And it's that open-mindedness to, to the learning process that it's not about failure or rejection. It's about what could I do better next time? So many inventions. I got this book for my son. So many inventions have been made by mistake. Yeah. So is mistake really that horrible of an experience? No, because we all fail, but it's not failing in the definition, in the classic definition of failure. It is an opportunity to fall forward into the next opportunity of learning. So when we re-examine and are intentionally conscious of the words that we use and the messages that we use in our mind. Like for example, the concept of lucky. Now I know there's a huge difference of opinion on this one. Are we really lucky or are we destined? You know, and I'm not gonna get into whether this one or that one applies, but the point is what you, what you say, you believe, and it's a reflection of what you believe in your mind. So if we believe we're lucky, then other people and other things external to us have power over us. Yeah, that means 100%. we're powerless. 100%. And it's, it's all about attitude. And that's why I say, you know, um, difficult difficult is a fact. Hard is an opinion. Beautiful. That's why I say like, lots of stuff is difficult, Bob. But whether you think it's hard just depends on whether you place value on it. Because yes. at the end, you know, a walk to the ice cream shop, if <laughs> you got there in the ice cream shop, oh, you know, was it a waste of time if you enjoyed the walk? No. And it's just no. So you've got to enjoy the journey. You've got to go, you know what? I'm going to set off with good intention and I'm going to open my eyes and learn along the way. And if if the ice cream shop's not open, at least we've got to walk in. Exactly. So, you know, it's the, um, is a glass half full or is it half empty? Well, the glass is too big. Problem solved. <laughs> Exactly. You're, expect, you're expecting yeah. too much. When we diminish our expectations of others, not yeah. our standards, 
I'm saying completely two different things. Our standards should be clear, just like our code of conduct. But when we lower our expectations of others, we will not be disappointed because those are imposed from us upon others, just like others impose them upon us. And it's a weight that we don't want to burden, uh, we don't want to carry, sorry, or burden others with. So what's really important is recognizing what do we do in our life regarding our purpose, our life's purpose? Are we really living it authentically? Are we really in tune with our code of conduct? Do we have a code of conduct? If we don't, if we don't find out what your values are, what do you stand for? What are your principles? What are your beliefs about things? Get curious, sit down and really write it out. I'm not saying journal. I know men don't journal oftentimes, but just sit down and write it, write out what you're thinking. Because when you write it down, all of your senses get involved. All of your senses participate. And what happens is the thoughts, the beliefs, the principles go from your subconscious to your conscious mind. And that's where you can start to be aware of them. You can start to be aware of those patterns. So sit down, write down what your principles are in life. What do you live by? What are those concepts of, of you know, values, I should just call them values for now, values and beliefs that you live by. And why do you live by them? You have to be able to justify them. If you can justify them, then you can live by them. If you can't justify them, then they're not yours. And how are they serving you? Exactly. And how are they serving you? So um, once you've got that and you're underway as far as getting your code of conduct, then define what your blueprint as a man looks like. And that is our next step, hopefully on our journey, Michael, to discuss that. But just know if I can leave everyone with one thought um, and Michael, it'll be your turn to, to dip into your tip or your takeaway moment if you have one that you'd like to share. We encounter, notice I say we encounter, I didn't say we, um, life hits us with. We encounter bumps in the road. Sometimes they're boulders, sometimes they're, potholes sometimes they're sinkholes but we get to choose how to perceive them like you said Michael the glass is big and it's not even an issue or all I can see is the emptiness in that cup mm. too good the the thing I would say to guys look for the pinch points look where the friction is in your life so and I find stress is when the thing that happens is when you're not living in alignment with your internal sat nav. So, you know, if you feel like you're being disrespected and whether it be, you know, not a fair, fair shake by the boss at work and you're going, well, I'm giving up my time with my family for this and I'm not appreciated you need to find a way to fix that. You need to align yourself with something where you either need to go, you know what? His disrespect isn't going to make me stressed anymore. His disrespect is about him. It's not about my values. I'm not going to let his opinion of me upset me because there are a million people in the world who don't think a lot of you, don't think of you at all. So why let the one person... Do it. Stop striving for others' approval. Stop looking for that external um, validation. Yeah, validation, and you know that's that's what we need to do. And just find those values and ease. Life's life's fun. Life's good. Yeah. You know, it's 
It's a lot better than the alternative, yeah. I think. Yeah, not that I've experienced that. it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, you know, you've just enjoy the ride. Away. Yep. Enjoy the ride. All and right. a last point that I'll just add that came up for me, Michael, when you were saying um, your your tip is if you're feeling disrespected in other parts of your life as well, look at your boundaries. Are you upholding them? Are you speaking up for yourself? And I know that's hard for a lot of people, men included. So be the awoke bloke that you are and really speak up for yourself, but do it respectfully. Yes. If you're losing respect, don't disrespect others. Do it respectfully, do it kindly. Kindness takes, a, the power of kindness is immeasurable. So be gracious and kind and sandwich your responses. So you've got the, 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 the statement that you want to say that's nice, then your actual statement that you want to say, then you sandwich it with another positive statement. That's how you give a feedback statement, especially when it's a boundary. I'm feeling um, really great being in this organization because I believe in the mission. I do feel that my position in this organization is being challenged because I'm not feeling respected in this way. But I would love, forget the but, sorry, that's my fault. And because but negates everything else. And I would love to work with you to co-create a way that I could feel the respect that I need and still be productive in this company. That's a feedback sentence or statement. Use it, it's powerful. Use it with your children, it's amazing. And, yeah, um, and that's why I always say, give them something to live up to. Exactly. Be the role so, model. Yeah, yep. I, I, know, I know this is important to you because I know you're a great person. But at the moment, when this happens, I feel like this. And I know that's not your intention because I find you such a, a great co-worker or boss or, you know, you're such a great kid. Yeah. But when this happens, it makes me feel like this. And I know you don't want that. So how can we find a solution together? Co-create. Co-create together and be create be creative and curious. With that said, Michael, as always, it's a wonderful experience doing these podcasts with you. We want to remind our audience members and our listeners that these are conversation starters with blokes, their children and the women that support them. It's about many men and many conversations that they can have um, to engage and to connect and to be their true selves. Follow, like, and share. Also, don't hesitate to comment below. How do you define masculinity for yourself? What is your man code of conduct? And what's your life's purpose? What would you like us to address in the future as well? Take care and see you on the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye.